Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on to your next topic, we just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. The Jericho Network on Westwood One. blood you look to your buddies you look to your friends there's only a couple guys in the whole world that make me love pro wrestling and you're one of them you know all the bad shit you've heard about us it's all true but another thing that's true is we love professional wrestling and that's why we're here i'm not sports entertainment anymore talk to them kid this is a new beginning Hello there, Xbox 12360 fans. We are coming at you with a brand new episode. I'm Christy Olson. We got producer Jimbo Frank on the couch. Mark Donica's in the booth. And then I give to you the one and only, the man, Mr. Sean X-Pac Waltman. Hey, everybody. Hello, Sean. We are going to be breaking down the week's hottest pro wrestling headlines for our fans today, and we have got a big interview with Sean Davari and the Molly Holly. We chatted with them yesterday. I cannot wait for the fans to hear that. It was a good one. Molly doesn't do many interviews. She doesn't I can't do remember the last time interviews. she did one, mm-hmm. actually. So. Well, she chatted with you. Yes, she and did. Me. And we are going to get to that. But first, Raw was in L.A. this week, right? So that's when I see that. I'm always going, I'm like, hmm, I bet Sean is there. Were you there, Sean? I was there. You were there. Yeah, you know I was there. I know, we talked okay. about this yeah, yesterday. All right. But And I really wanted to grill you for the backstage details, and you wouldn't give me any. No, I wouldn't. No. Because I don't want them n- not wanting to do anything around me. <laughs> Well, give give the fans a little a little bit of juicy inside dish there. What happens when you go backstage at one of these things? Well, what I was trying to spit out there before I got this frog in my throat is I don't want to have everybody be afraid to do anything around me because they're afraid I'm going to come on my show and <laughs> tell all the secrets. <laughs> there, I spit it out. Spitted it isn't even a word. But uh, no, it was a great time. Well, who'd you and run I'm half ass just kidding about that. But uh, I ran into well, besides all my friends, uh, you know, there was ran into Tracy Murray, NBA legend Tracy Murray. Oh, wow. um, ran into Rick Rubin, okay. the legendary Rick Rubin from Def Jam Records. Uh, he's a god of in, in the music industry and. Uh, kind of looks like God in that picture right there, doesn't he? <laughs> Does he still have the beard? Look at the picture. Oh. <laughs> anyway, for Jim, everybody Jimbo listening, there's the a picture. picture. He does, Jimbo. Yeah, but he he's does. the man. Did he and try he, to sign you to a record deal? Yeah, I turned it down. <laughs> uh, no, just Rick Rubin has been a huge wrestling fan. I mean, forever. Mm-hmm. Forever. Him and Glenn Danzig used to uh, go watch the shows together. 
So you've gotten to know him pretty well, I assume. No, Rick Rubin? Yeah. No, not at all. Oh. Don't, yeah, I hope I didn't give anybody that impression. <laughs> Was this uh, your first time meeting him? No. No, but, you know, saying hey in, in passing at the Rainbow Bar and Grill doesn't really count as knowing somebody. Right. <laughs> <laughs> all the cool people hang out there. there You're you rocking the t-shirt I'm today, too. The I like t-shirt. that. Yeah. I like that. Well, you ran into uh, the guys from Tool also? Tool. Is that right? Travis Scott, hip-hop artist Travis Scott. That guy just... He just about shit. Actually, I think he might have shit when he saw me. Really? Yeah. It's like maybe one of the all-time biggest freak-out moments I've ever encountered with somebody. And it was a fellow celebrity. It was very cool. Like, yeah. that's kind of cool. Yeah. What, well, what did well, he say? Well, he's 23. He's 20, tw- 24 years old. Mm-hmm. So that's right at that age. Mm-hmm. What did he, he say to you? He couldn't really say much. I'm just going to oh, be honest wow. with you. He just kept telling me how he's uh, he can't really say anything because he's so... Anyways, well, that's you cool. get the you, picture. You would just expect someone like that to be kind of jaded. You know, you've got to be a pretty big deal to him because he meets a lot of celebrities. Yeah, I can. Im- I imagine he's used to trying to be too cool for school, right? Mm-hmm, exactly. So, but whatever, man. Hey, I would do the same thing if I uh, if I ran into somebody mm-hmm. that. I mean, maybe not to that degree, but I would definitely. Uh, I'm not afraid to let them know I'm a huge fan. I love that about you. You always say, like, mark out. It's fine. Why not? Right? You're not, like, it's, I, it pisses me off when I hear people use the term mark and, like, a, as a derogatory um, term. Mm-hmm. Fuck off. You're, like, half of the people uh, using it like that are marks themselves. <laughs> That's so well, true. most of them actually. Yeah, Sean. Actually, people have been calling me Mark my entire life. <laughs> well, you are Mark. <laughs> uh, well, I'm Mark Donna. Mark, Mark Donna. Well, there was a big after party too. Is that right? This might be where you. Really, I'm never going to tell you, really you anything again. Down. I know. Seriously, I'm not. I'm going to just keep everything to myself from now on. I can't. Well, you posted some pictures. Not Did from you? the party. I'm not, not even. I'm not going to tell you who it was. How about that? All right. Well, one of the current WWE stars who lives here had he a little shindig, here. from what I hear, and we can only imagine that it was quite a quite a ruckus. No, time. it really not wasn't. Ruckus. No, that's that's the thing. I shouldn't have told you because not. <laughs> oh, I don't want not, you to not tell us that. <laughs> well, I mean, all right. Here's the deal. It, Raw gets over early here on the on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. So, what time was it over here? Eight o'clock. Eight yeah. o'clock. Okay, um, and everybody from the Raw brand was the next morning on a flight to Chile for a South American tour. Wow. Yeah, I just got you back from there. They're on their way. So, one of the guys just recently moved here and actually is. Uh, well, I'm not going to even say where he lives. Well, no, that's fine. But it is up. It is in the hills somewhere. I'll, I'll go that far. And um, how you do it. I'm not going to say who it is, but uh, everybody, well, not everybody, a lot of people showed up. Yeah. Yeah. And it was it was chill, you're telling yes. me. Not ruckus. It was very chill and um, uneventful other than a bunch of, uh, a bunch of people just, uh, just having a good time and, and uh, you know. Rest, people in, in the industry kind of a lot of times we feel like the only people that we can relate to are the people in the industry. Mm-hmm. So that's we always usually congregate together yeah. at some point. Well, that's know? that's understandable. Sure. So it was it was a good time. It was great to see everybody. It was great to see that um, the the crew today 
is is tight. Yeah. You know, because you like I've even had the impression that you know with all the tour buses and all the different things people have that maybe the the guys aren't as tight knit as as they were in the past. But it seems like they really kind of are. That's good to hear because watching you talk to your friends on this show from back in the day, it's such a cool bond that you guys have that has lasted now so many years. So I like the idea that the current superstars are going to have the same kind of relationship. And it's it's just that they do they do it different now. They're you're not eating a handful of pills and and washing it down with booze. Uh, You know, guys are are healthy now. Mm -hmm. You know, pretty much every you're healthy or you're not going to work there. Right. Bottom line. So. I'm happy about that. And I'm happy everybody's getting along <laughs> and loves each other. I'm all about the love. Aw, kumbaya. Oh, kumbaya. Kumbaya. Well, let's talk a little bit about two people that are coming together, two huge wrestling companies. News broke today, and we're just gonna we're just gonna discuss this because it's beyond news in my opinion, that WWE is definitely buying TNA's tape library. I know you guys have been speculating on this for weeks. I've been asking you what you think and everyone else. This is now confirmed by pro wrestling journalist Justin Labar. He says WWE is purchasing the TNA video library and also that Billy Corgan will be the new majority owner of TNA. He's expected to rebrand it. Uh, but regardless of what's going to happen to TNA, WWE will have all of that footage starting from 2002. That includes Samoa Joe, Bobby Roode, and AJ Styles, of course. So this is huge. And, and really, I think it's the best scenario that, that could have played out mm-hmm. for everybody, for everyone. I'm sorry about the bad grammar. <laughs> um, okay, so it, like it's a win-win for for uh, both parties mm-hmm. uh, because the TNA brand it was just, it's just so tainted. Yet there there there's a lot of, there are a lot of guys that uh, that are currently there that probably wouldn't get picked up or you know brought mm-hmm. back to WWE. And uh, so it's great that there's still going to be that place um, for them and that they'll be able to uh, build a brand from scratch and, and hopefully do it the right way. Because Billy, I, I have a lot of faith in Billy Corgan mm-hmm. that he's going to do a, a really good job. So um, I think this is going to be a good thing for the industry. Yeah, and I know a lot of people were concerned that WWE would buy the entire company and then just take the tape library and shut TNA down. Well, honestly, Christy, the entire company is the tape library, almost. Okay. So I mean that's that's really where the worth the, the that's where the um, that's the only thing worth any, anything. I mean I'm sure they have some rings mm-hmm. and uh, you know some other equipment, but really the tape library and the intellectual property is what is where it's right. at. What okay. I'm wondering is if now that Billy takes it over and re rebrands it and makes it its own. Is he going to still try and run at Universal in Orlando, or is he going to move oh. and like find a venue and either like travel and do different venues, or is he going to find like something like Orlando was, where they're like like maybe like a TV station where it's like, hey, you could do your shows here once a week, once a month, whatever. Like you have access to all of our area, mm-hmm. or like because that because I think if like you change everything. But then you're still running in Orlando at Universal. Nothing's going to change. Mm-hmm. All the same fans are going to be there. They're all like 
tainted because they get to see the same wrestlers every week. And it's just like, I remember talking to Eric Young after a show once, and it was right when TNA was starting to travel before the Impact and all that stuff. They were starting to travel, and he's like, yeah, Impact's own fans see us all the time, so they don't care anymore. We traveled here, and they treated Sharkboy like he was Hulk Hogan because mm-hmm. they just want to see us wrestle. So I think they definitely need to move if they're going to change their brand and their name and everything. They shouldn't stay. Like, they could stay in Florida, but don't be running shows at Universal Orlando because that's just going to put everyone like, oh, this hasn't changed at all. Mm-hmm. You know? well, I, I agree, Jimbo, 100% with you. I've, I've, uh, I've not been a fan of the soundstage uh, pro wrestling TV show. Ever? Um, not really. I haven't been since they started doing that with WCW as far as we used to film in uh, MGM and also Universal at, at different times. And it's just too sterile. It's it's too antiseptic of, a, of an atmosphere for me. Uh, it, it, it was fine back in the studio wrestling days, you know, where the... You know, they had uh, the championship wrestling from Georgia. From mm-hmm. There was a studio in Techwood Dr- uh, Drive in Atlanta. That's where all the old shows came from. You know, we used the Tampa Sportatorium for championship wrestling from Florida when I was a kid. Just a, a, a little shithole. I mean, if you'd <laughs> ever been to that place, you'd go, oh, my God, this is a sportatorium? What a fucking shithole. Excuse my language. But... That's how bad it was. I mean, you you couldn't even sit down in the, ba- in the bathroom in there, you know. It, it, oh, God, it was just so bad. But they doll them up to make them look They didn't even TV. try to doll it up. <laughs> no? And, and, no. And that was another thing. Like, Memphis wrestling, uh, that, that was on every Saturday morning for years, they didn't even try to do the simplest cosmetics. Like, put fucking... Uh, there I go with the F-bombs. <laughs> put... Turnbuckle pads, a real novel idea. Put turnbuckle pads in the turnbuckles. <laughs> and, you know, maybe get rid of the, the athletic tape that's hanging off the middle of the ring ropes so it doesn't look like shit on television. And it was just like those little things they didn't even bother with. That don't even, they don't even cost money. So, and then you, like, sometimes they sit and wonder why they went out of business. And I'm not just saying they as in one particular place but anyone that doesn't give a shit about little details like that mm-hmm. i don't know how i got off onto that subject but i did well that's okay i'll go off on another subject and that. uh remind our listeners that we are available on youtube and itunes on itunes we would really appreciate if you would rate comment and subscribe and of course if we are on a podcast app that you use and you can't find us we would love for you to help us submit to that app just copy our rss feed you can find it in the description box and then contact that app support email it's super easy to find tweet me at christy reports if you can and i'll help you out we appreciate that in advance and on itunes make sure to rate, comment, and subscribe. You did a really good job reading that, Christy. <laughs> well, it's all kind of typed out right here for me, so I, thank you. <laughs> thank God I don't have to do all that. Oh. oh, man. Man. Well, that's why I'm here. And the other reason why I'm here is because I got the scoop on this week's pro wrestling news headlines. X-Pac 123 Wrestling News. Yeah. 
not kidding around with that. And we have got some very, very serious news today. The first of which is a bizarre story that the details just keep sort of rolling out. So Alberto Del Rio, former WWE star, was scheduled to appear at a show in Mexico for AAA this weekend. He did not show up. They released a statement saying he let his fans down. We had talked to him as early as this morning. He said he was coming. We don't know what happened. They kind of tore him a new one in this press release. Well, now some more details have leaked out that Alberto Del Rio was actually attacked in San Antonio on his way to the airport and was stabbed. He posted some photos on Instagram and a little story, and then there seemed to be speculation that that didn't happen. People were thinking maybe he was in Orlando for TNA's Bound for Glory or that he was really trying to pull one over on AAA and that he's making an excuse. Well, today reports have come out. There are witnesses. There is a police report. We now know that Del Rio was actually in kind of a fender bender car accident. And when the other driver got out of the car, they had a bit of a, a play on words, let's say. And Del Rio decided to just walk away and head to the airport. This other guy attacked him from behind with a knife. This is just insane you guys. And um, he did suffer some cuts to his head and to his forearms. So uh, he was hospitalized and actually he says he wanted to charter a flight and get to that AAA show but he couldn't. He had a, a loss of blood and he was getting stitches I mean, this is just kind of unbelievable. He even lost his phone in the midst of all this, so he couldn't contact anybody. And witnesses do confirm all this. They have a license plate number on the guy that attacked him. And um, again, this is just scary and bizarre. Yeah. And I'm not sure. Well, I am sure. Let me rephrase it. I am sure. I'm 100% sure that uh, AAA has a lot of nerve to respond like that. Uh, I've worked with them. Mm-hmm. I know them very well. I know not. I'm going to say their their boss Dorian. And I'm I'm on this show. I'm really uh, going to do my best not to go negative. Mm-hmm. But in this case, um, this guy is so unprofessional and disrespects his talent so much. Uh, makes people wait. Hours outside his office for meetings, and these people have they they can't complain because they'll, they're afraid they'll lose their jobs. Um, uh, I'm not I, I'm not going to get off on on too much of a rant here. It's just um, well, I think that's enough to to let the fans know. Yeah, it's just it it comes off as a bit rich to me that mm-hmm. they would just jump to that conclusion. Yeah, it was very quickly. Yeah, yeah. Well, we are glad that Alberto Del Rio is okay, and he does say he intends to make all of his remaining dates with AAA because they have events in England uh, this weekend. And it is all about the fans, you That's know. Right. You don't want to, you don't want to disappoint the fans, uh, if at all possible. I pretty, I'm pretty sure that goes without saying. That's right. I mean, I would hope so. If 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 it doesn't to you, maybe you shouldn't be in the wrestling industry. Hmm. Del Rio is a bad dude, man. That fool's fought Krokov. Yeah, like, who attacks like, Alberto who, yeah. Del Rio? Like, what are you thinking? Like, people these days, apparently. Like, that's that's what that's what's happening in the world today. That's so sad, man. Well, it's interesting you mentioned that, Sean, because our next story involves another WWE star again being attacked 
by a knife-wielding madman following a road rage incident. This one, Jamie Noble, actually suffered a collapsed lung after being stabbed last week. Again, he was um, just outside of his home in West Virginia. He was just getting home. He says he's been on the, he had been on the road for quite a while. And some guy got out of his car when Jamie got to his house and said, hey, you cut me off back there. There was a verbal altercation. Jamie says he apologized and tried to kind of walk away. And this guy took him to the ground. Two other men came out of the car, and then someone pulled out a knife. They stabbed him between his ribs and hit his lung. They even tried, he says, to cut his throat with this knife. This is unbelievable. They just narrowly missed his throat and ripped his shoulder open. So he was immediately put into surgery because his lungs were filling up with blood. And now Jamie says he's, he is on the mend, but he's asking people online for a name. He's asking if anyone has information as to who maybe was involved Involved in this attack, he's paying 200 bucks for a name and says if it turns out to be legit, he'll give you another $500 in cash. He wants everyone to share it on Facebook. He would like to see these culprits um, punished. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I would guess so. And also, um, I'm pretty sure the story goes that he took the guy down and then the other guys attacked him. Yes. Yeah. So nobody took Jamie Noble down. Yeah. Badass He Jamie was the Noble. one doing the taking down. But really, I... Uh, I guess he tried to do the right thing. You By know? walking away. Yeah, it's like an old situation. The guy tried to walk away, and yeah. the other dudes just weren't having it. Yeah. You know, I think when somebody comes up on you like that, I think they pretty much already have made their mind up that there's going to be a physical altercation. And I think we have to just, uh, we have to just operate under that assumption. Mm-hmm. You know, really, when somebody's coming with following you to your house over some kind of a, you know, Road rage incident, or or you don't know what the hell's going on. I mean, assume the worst. Mm-hmm. Just think Scary. about like this guy's willing to cut a dude's throat for cutting him off. Think about how awful that is, right? You know, yeah. like it, if it wasn't Jamie Noble or someone famous, just reading the headline, like man murdered for cutting someone off. You know, assaulted by a knife wielding assailant. You know, mm-hmm. throat hey, slit the- and stabbed in f- like in front of his house. Mm-hmm. Like not only like cut you off, we both pulled over, and we got in a fight on the side of the road. Like, you followed him to his house to be like, hey, man, what the heck? You know? And then, like you said, like, it's already built up in their head. Like, they want to have a physical altercation. Mm -hmm. It's just so sad, man. It's crazy. Stay in your cars, people. (laughs) Don't get out of your car. Stay in your cars, everyone. I I really hope uh, everything works out for Jamie, because he's a really good dude, and been through a lot of shit. Mm Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I mean, he's trying to do the right thing in his life. And, uh, you know, we sometimes uh, run into these roadblocks even when we're doing the right thing. So I'm pretty sure everything's going to work out okay. Oh, well, I like that segue, actually. A new roadblock is definitely up for some former NXT talents. News hitting this week that three NXT wrestlers have been released. First up, Hugo Knox. You guys might know real name Stuart Tomlinson. He was a pro football goalkeeper in the UK. So that's soccer people. And um, he started at WWE in December of 2013. Never ended up debuting on TV. He just kind of gave a little note on Twitter this week and said that he and the company have parted ways through mutual agreement. So not a lot of drama there. However, former Tough Enough 
playoff winner. This was her $250,000 contract winner from last season. Sarah Lee has also been released by NXT, which may not be a surprise to a lot of people who watched the show. She's never debuted on TV either. However, what she posted on Twitter was a big surprise. It appears that Sarah Lee is expecting a child with fellow NXT star Wesley Blake. She posted a photo of um, the dog and a May 17th and a copy of What to Expect When Expecting, along with maybe a little sonogram picture there. So, no questions as to why Sarah Lee was released. We don't know, however, though, there is one more, um, pardon me, Carolyn C.J. Dunning. We don't know why she was released. She was a nationally ranked bodybuilding bikini competitor. She signed with WWE first in March of this year. And um, it looks online like she's taking individual bookings now on her own. So no word as to what's happened there. But I will keep you posted. Well, please do. I shall. And now... Because inquiring minds want to know. That's right. That's right. I heard Sarah Lee had a... Well, I don't know if she had to, but she deleted that tweet. She did delete it. it. Mm -hmm, She did. So I'm sure WWE isn't happy about that. Mm -hmm. Because I'm sure that just raises people to be like, oh, you fired her because she's pregnant, blah, blah, blah. Nobody, I don't, we don't know, we don't know details on how that. No, no, her one one year contract for Tough Enough would have been up around this time, right? So it it likely could have had nothing. They maybe didn't even know. You can work a lot of jobs while you're pregnant, but ours isn't one (laughs) of them. (laughs) So. All right, people. <laughs> well, you know, here's that... the thing, though. Okay, the two winners are tough enough. How are they doing now? Neither one of them. Or wait, one. So the Yeti is still there, so right? So she's released. The Yeti, Josh, he's going by Bronson, is still there. He has not debuted on NXT TV yet. However, some other contestants, Mandy Rose, has debuted with NXT TV. She's from the same season. Uh, Mata's still down there. Patrick is still down there. So there are a few of them that are on. Oh, our own Daria Baronado, of course, has been on NXT TV. She's doing fantastic. So there are a couple kids from that cast that are still doing well. But they're not the winners. Nope, they sure aren't. Oh, man, we covered that season of Tough Enough here at After Buzz TV. And we had a lot to say about all that. Go back and watch it, guys, if you have some time. And now we'll move on to a good news story. Yes, positive news. Former Spirit Squad members appear on SmackDown last night. This was so much fun. It was a mini Spirit Squad reunion. The first appearance of them on WWTV in nearly 10 years. This, of course, has to do with the Dolph Ziggler versus The Miz career title match that's going on at No Mercy this weekend. So The Miz brought out the Spirit Squad. It was just Kenny and Mikey, though. And um, they they ended up attacking Dolph Ziggler, their former Spirit Squad member, as Nikki. And um, the reason why a couple of the other guys weren't there, they have been asked, were they contacted to be there? And Jeter, so that is Johnny Jeter, says that he was contacted about it, but he had to decline because it would have been a, con- a conflict of interest with his current employer as he's no longer in the pro wrestling business. So it sounds like maybe he's got, um, I don't want to say a serious job, some, some sort of a job where they didn't want him appearing on WWE SmackDown, which I just think is kind of funny. But this maybe, was a maybe really Maybe he just had segment. to work that job on Tuesday. That could maybe be. Maybe it was as simple as that. <laughs> That could be. Like he just couldn't get it off. That's right. Yeah, but either way, this was a great segment. People were so excited to see them out there. And this thing that they're building between The Miz and Dolph Ziggler is so good. Very well done. So good. Very well done. 
You know, like we were talking earlier about the speculation on whether Dolph's going to retire or not retire, but, you know, uh, transition to a different role, maybe whatever repackage, whatever it might be. Regardless of what happens at the end of this, tremendous job building this up. Mm-hmm. Um, making the IC title mean something. Miz has done a fantastic job. Uh, Dolph's done a great job chasing it. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the the writers and producers have done a great job in uh, on their end, too. Yeah, all of SmackDown They has need been a pat on great. the back when they do a good job because everybody's always bitching about, you know, you know, the writing and, and all this when they don't like something. Mm-hmm. So. That's so true. <laughs> That's true. Well, and I don't want to outdate this new segment because we'll be up for the next week. But Bill Goldberg will be on ESPN tonight. And he is expected to announce that he's returning to the company. There is a lot of talk of a Survivor Series match between him and Brock Lesnar. So when that turns out to be true in a few hours, I didn't want you guys to think I missed it. <laughs> that's Good. why she's Christy Reports. That's, that's why. Right. That's right. That's right. And this has been your X Pac 12360 News for the Week. I am your managing editor and chief correspondent of AfterBuzz TV's Pro Wrestling News Division. And we will be right back with an interview with Molly Holly and Sean Davari. Stay tuned. What's up, party people? Roxy Stryer here from The Tomorrow Show with Kevin Undergaro. We're your twice-weekly broadcast of one man's midlife crisis and the mad millennials in Star Trek uniforms that follow him. And I'm one of those millennials, Lauren Legrasso here. We've had some amazing guests like Russell Simmons, Ileana Douglas, and Craig Gass. Coolio, right? Christian Blatt in the house to tell you to go to thetomorrowshow.com to check us out. We're live every Monday and Thursday from 10 to midnight Eastern. That's thetomorrowshow.com. Be there or be square, whatever that means. Welcome back to X-Pac 12360. Joining us now, a couple of legendary entertainers, the first of whom known for his time in WWE, ECW, and TNA, where he was Sheikh Abdul-Bashir, scoring that X-Division title. He is a co-owner of the Academy School of Professional Wrestling. Sean Davari is here. All right. And joining him, a trainer at the school, you know her as the WWF hardcore champion who was also a two-time WWE women's champion and of course the only woman to ever have her head shaved at Wrestlemania probably will always be the only one please also welcome to the show Molly Holly right. yeah. she got a way bigger pop than you did Sean <laughs> how you doing guys good, good how are you guys doing Good. Well, thanks for coming to chat with us today. Thank you for having us. Thanks. Hi, Nora. Hi, Dara. Hello. Should we call... All right, we already know um, that Nora doesn't mind whether we call her Molly or Nora. And uh, so, Sean, it's okay if I call you Dara as well. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's, it's one of the... I mean, it's actually really funny. Like, you're probably the only guy that shouldn't call me Sean because I was named after you. <laughs> so it's like... <laughs> Everyone else calls me Sean. It'd be really weird if you did. So I, you know, okay, we were talking about your school last week, and I mentioned, you know, kind of how you ended up with that name. You want to elaborate on it? Yeah. So it's one of those things. Before I got into wrestling, like when I was just a fan watching it, like you know, obviously you know, but a lot of people don't. Like in Minneapolis, which is a huge wrestling market, like. X-Pac or one, two, three kid was the guy. Like, you, you know, I, I remember you, when you guys would come to Target Center or wherever, like you would rival whoever was like the headlining star at that 
in that era of, of talent, like every time. And especially like if me, I was a super, I was smaller than everybody in school. I was a skinny, shorter kid. And then to see, you know, one, two, three kid and then the X-Pac being the guy, like you were like, you were like, you know, as much as I loved Hulk Hogan, as much as I loved Steve Austin, like you were always right up there with it. When I started wrestling. I met uh, Eddie Sharkey, who like trained a bunch of famous wrestlers and helped a bunch of guys out that didn't train like you, like uh, Jerry and Jerry Lynn and the, uh, bunch of other people he is he would tell me he's like man you're like you're the next sean waltman or you're the next sean waltman later on i found out that was a gimmick he'd say to get like kids to keep paying because everybody anyone yeah. that wanted to be a wrestler in minneapolis wanted to be sean waltman so he would just then like six or seven other kids over the course of several years would come by and be like you're the next sean waltman I'm like wait he's the second one he's like no he's the tenth one you were the ninth one uh, you know like austin, so, austin aries told i took me it to heart it was a big big deal to me austin aries told me the same story I think he was the guy after. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm I'm pretty sure I heard it from about five or six other people too, but I can't remember who. Anyone under six feet tall that came through Eddie's camp was the next young woman. That's great. I love it. I'm glad I could be uh, of assistance to Eddie in helping fleece people of their money. Yeah, <laughs> right. No, totally, dude. And, and the funny kidding. thing too is, I know why Eddie was saying it just to keep people happy and keep them coming. Yeah. But like later on in life, like. I realized that me and you are a lot alike, but, but totally nothing to do with wrestling. Yeah, that's true. It's, it's really crazy, true. Right? Yeah, Nora, how'd you get yeah. involved in this situation? Um, well, I'm friends with Dara, and I'll ask he you how me- that happened in a little bit. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> Keep going. Yeah, he told me what he was gonna do, and he asked me if I wanted to be a part of it. And at first, I didn't know. I mean. I, I don't know. I just wasn't sure about it. Um, but uh, he actually took me to an indie show recently, and it just reminded me of how much fun it is to see people following their dreams and to see, you know, little kids in the audience excited about the good guy versus the bad guy. And it, I don't know, it just kind of like reignited my passion. And um, so I was like, yep, I'm in. Whatever whatever he needs me to do at whatever capacity, uh, I'm in. Well, I knew, that, I knew that Sean and Ken were talking about starting a school, but... Um, really, last week when I heard you were involved, is no offense, Sean, but that's when I got really excited because I think you're one of the best female wrestlers in the history of the industry. Bro, On top it's, of that, it's true. It's true. Like no one knows. Like there aren't female mechanics really, and, and like Nora kind of sort of doesn't even know that she just shows up and does her job. But like we all knew the girls that were around when she was around. Like they couldn't have wrestling matches if they put if they put you know. At that time, like Trish Stratus versus Stacey Keebler, like they can go on for an eight minute segment. There's no way that could happen. Like, Nor was the one that made people that didn't know what girls that didn't know what they were doing look like they knew what they were doing. Like, who could be a better teacher than that person? That's right. And, and, uh, Nora, can you tell everybody, uh, your background, where you started? I know where you started because you and I are from the same school. Am I yes, right or wrong? Um, well, what I, I'm from Minnesota, but I moved to Florida right after high school, and um, my actual first wrestling school was in the backyard of a trailer park. They had, like, garden hose for ropes, and I'm, the people who were running it were trained by Jim Neidhart for two weeks, and they decided they were good enough to run their own school. And so that's where I got my, like, very first intro to what pro wrestling was. Um and I had been wanting to get into Dean Malenko's school. And at the time, he was saying, no, I'm not training any more girls. I've been there, done that. I want nothing to do with it. And so I um, just was working in the indies around Tampa. And then I got booked um, just to do a dark match with WCW. And Dean Malenko saw me wrestle. 
Malaya Hosaka, and he pulled me aside and he said, if you want to come down to my school, you can. And I needed it. You know, I was horribly green. I didn't, there was so much I didn't know. And so Dean let me come to his school and every now and then Eddie Guerrero would stop in. There'd be lots of other guys from the Tampa area that would come in. And so I'd say I got most of like my skilled training from Dean Malenko. I would imagine. And uh, when you, when you finally went to the school was, uh, was Dean's father already passed? He had already passed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry you didn't get to, uh, experienced the great Malenko because he was an amazing teacher and an amazing man. Uh, yeah. The, I, you just, you couldn't have had a better, uh, a better teacher, honestly, Nora. Um, I'm, I'm so grateful for, for the, the Malenko uh, way of teaching wrestling. And uh, hopefully when, when you all uh, get your students, uh, you'll pass some of that stuff on to them. Dude, you know what's funny too is like, like, actually, I, I, I don't know if you watch it or not, but, like, uh, Gail Kim just got put in the Hall of Fame at TNA on their, like, uh, Bound for Glory pay-per-view, which, if no one knows what that is, that's, like, their equivalent of, like, their WrestleMania, like, their biggest pay-per-view of the year they build all their angles to. And when Gail was doing her, like, Hall of Fame speech, she put over all the girls that helped her out, and then, like, as she was done putting over all the other chicks that helped her out, she stopped. She goes, oh, and by the way, like, a specific shout-out and thanks to Molly Holly. And then went on to talk about Molly, like, saying things that, you know, we all knew, but it was things that the public never knew that, like, you know, A, she carried her when she was green, B, she, like, you know, got her her job more or less by making her look like a million dollars and going right up to the office and saying, like, not being, like, a threatened by her, but saying, like, hey, we can we can do something with this girl. And then C, she said she taught me how to be a good human being, which is kind of, like, the essence of, of Nora, you know, she just, she, like... Like, the thing, she didn't just think, like, hey, I could get back in this wrestling thing and, and help train guys and make some money or this or that. Like, literally, the thing that, like, struck her, she goes, I can help someone follow their dreams. I'm like, God, that's yeah. Nora to a T. Like, she doesn't give a shit if they ever make money or make it to a big show or whatever. She goes, this guy has a dream. I want to help him fulfill it. You know, that's that's Nora, you know? That's another, and, yeah, that's another thing that you just hit on, Sean, that I was going to uh, say. Nora's, Nora, you are... In my opinion, well, not my opinion. This is just the way it is. You're way too good for the wrestling industry as a human <laughs> being. Yes, I I look at Nora Molly Ollie, uh, and I I look at her to to feel good about being in this industry because there's so many pieces of shit in this industry. Right. You got to have the occasional Molly Holly to go. Okay, it's not just full of dirt balls. You know, I know, but then you try to find the other one. I can honestly say, I there there's only one Molly Holly, one Nora. She, um, I never met anybody as pure-hearted in, in, in my Dude, in thirty years of wrestling. Entertainment that yeah. person does not exist. Oh, thank you guys. That's <laughs> true, hundred percent true. I used to I used to just sit and look at you uh, when we worked together, and I'm like, "What are you even doing here?" Besides the fact that you know you're amazing at what you do, I'm like, "How can you be around us heathens?" <laughs> do you ever wonder how why we're friends? Like, I'm just like, I'm like, what is she possibly seeing me? Like, she's like, I start, sometimes we start talking, and I just like, I should just shut the fuck up because I'm gonna say something that's gonna finally change her opinion of me. <laughs> it's probably it's probably if she hasn't changed her opinion now, it's probably not gonna happen, Sean. No, and the best thing is she rubs off on me. She act, when I hang around her, I'm a better person for that period of time. Aww. And then she leaves, and I become a monster again. But then <laughs> when she comes back, I, I'm, I'm cool. Cool. Aww. Well, yeah, I'm sure. So nice. I should be interviewed more often. I boost up my self-esteem. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
let's just continue on that train, Nora. Why not? We were talking about um, Gail Kim giving you a lot of props and, you know, what you've done for the industry as far as women goes. What do you think of kind of the revolution that's gone on in women's wrestling lately and how the ladies are main eventing Raw last night? What What's your take on all that? It's amazing. I mean... When I was back, um, you know, wrestling with Trish and Lita and Jazz and everyone, like, we dreamed of someday, you know, being in the main event. And there was, like, a mixed tag in the main event with Trish and Lita um, one time while I was um, wrestling. And, and it was just kind of something that we thought, well, it'll never happen. And the girls, I went to WrestleMania this year, and I got to sit and watch it live um, when they had their match. And I couldn't believe the, the level of skill the fact that all of them were gorgeous, their outfits were perfect, they all looked like superheroes. I mean, they I was like I felt so happy that they were taking things to like a whole nother level. And then the fact that they were main eventing raw, I mean I mean that's just um, that's spectacular. I'm really, really proud of all of them. So are there things that you want to instill in the students there at the school that will keep this kind of women's wrestling revolution going? Um, well, I guess I would hope that whatever girls come to our school would want to be technically sound and also know how to be leaders in the ring because things don't always go according to plan. And so the, the more facets of pro wrestling that you can learn, the more quicker on your feet you'll be when things don't go right. I mean, there was a time that we had a tag match and Victoria blew out her knee entering the ring. She jumped over the top rope, bam, knee blown out. So it's like, all right we got to figure this out right now. And so I would like to be able to, to, of course, teach, like, technical maneuvers, but then also, like, how to think quick on your feet and be prepared for any situation. Well, what's your guys' kind of philosophy at the school, or, or what is your way of teaching, do you think? Sean asked if you were going to be instilling some of those Malenko uh, theories. So we want to do something that kind of, like, as an afterthought later in life sounds like a no brainer, but I don't know why it just hasn't been applied, but you know, the things they're doing at the WWE performance center, like I I, I didn't really know my younger brother who's an assistant coach at our gym. uh, He went down there. He was invited down there for a camp and then he's doing stuff for NXT and the cruiserweight gimmick, the cruiserweight classic thing now. And he tells me all the stuff they're doing. And as he says it to me, I go, God, that's a no brainer. We should have been doing that kind of shit for years. Like, like, for example, a guy who's never been in the ring before and he's working on learning how to take his bumps, they put, like, boxing headgear on, like, like when they start. Yes. I was like, fuck, well, that's a no-brainer. Like, we should have been, that headgear's been around for ages. We should have been doing that since the dawn of time. Thank but, you very much for you know, saying they that. They just haven't been doing it. Yeah, it's so important. And I, the, I would really hope that all wrestling schools uh, would adapt that because, I mean, it's, look, you don't need to... Look, we don't need it, period, but especially before you even get, you know, your first match under your belt, you got three or four concussions just going through camp. It's, you know, it's just, if, if we can prevent these things, obviously, you know, it goes without saying we need to do it. And you're not yeah. a pussy for putting it's on head. I was just going to ask that. The rest of the business. It doesn't yeah. help anybody, including the talent, Al. What's the point of it? And anybody yeah, that... Anybody that thinks you're a pussy or you're not tough because you're training with headgear on, uh, they just... They don't get it, and they 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 need to just they go find will. something else to do. Yeah, when I was training at the power plant, um, that's when a lot of the Nitro girls were being forced into becoming wrestlers. And I would put down the crash pads and show them on the crash pads. And there were a few old timers that were like, "Oh no, they're not paying their dues. You know, this is 
crap. They're, you know, they should be taking the bumps just like everyone else. And I'm like, first of all, they don't even want to be wrestlers. They want to just earn a living and they're being forced to go from being dancers and models to being wrestlers. Why would I hurt them? Like, why would I intentionally be giving them concussions? Like, I don't know. So I'm a fan of doing things safe. And I know that almost all of my concussions definitely happened before I got to the television, you know, level of professional wrestling. And so, yeah, I, and, and I, I are, definitely don't want anyone messed up for life just because they want to follow their dream and their passion. Right. And another thing, too, is everybody has their philosophy of, like, what pro wrestling is. And, you know, me and Ken and, and Nora and pretty much everyone that works with us, like, we've been doing this long enough and been in enough different places. It says like wrestling isn't like a formula. If there was just a book that said, this is how you're successful at pro wrestling, everybody would be a success. So we want to like find guys and say like, a, what do you want to do? B, what are you good at? C, what are you not good at? And D, where would you like to go? Where do you think you could fit in best? And we want to provide them that some people's dreams is to go to WWE and be in WrestleMania. Like we want to help you fulfill that. Some people don't give a fuck about WWE and want to go to Japan. Well, we want to help you fulfill that. Or, or this guy doesn't give a fuck about Japan. They love the independence in the United States and they love shitty underground type stuff. Like, well, we'll help you do that. Like, we don't have a metric of what success is. Success is in, in your eyes. What do you want to do? And we want to help apply that to that level of knowledge that we can help them with to get them there. Well, that's, that's also going to be the difference between uh, experienced people like the three of you and, you know, the people that you were talking about. That yeah, were, went to Jim Neinhardt school for yeah. two weeks and now opened up their own school. Yeah, or even guys that have been around a little bit, but still they just don't have that experience. They might be able to teach guys the, the techniques, you know, uh, the moves. And that's fine, and, and it's great. And that's like the, the you know, st- huge part of the beginning of your training. But, you know, the stuff that you were just talking about, Sean, is stuff that those people would have no clue about. I mean, at all, at all. Yeah, totally. And and like I said, it's not, you know, because you've been everywhere and done anything, but like there's a lot of guys that like when they're, you know, say they're a WWE guy or WCW guy, like when that runs over, like their wrestling career is over. Like they don't know how to fit in anywhere. Like I'll give you an example, like Buff Bagwell, like he couldn't, he couldn't work really anywhere else but WCW in that environment, in that world, he fit, you know, he worked, but like, once that was over, he didn't have the enough tools in his toolbox to be able to go to Japan or Mexico or hack it in New York or, you know, go wherever he wants so he can continue his career. Whereas, you know, Ken could, Nora could, you know, I did, you did, uh, Cannon could, Eric Cannon could, my little brother Ken. Like, we're guys that we get our foot in the door somewhere and they go, yeah, you can hang around. Like, we can make money with you. And, and that's, we, we could apply that to whatever someone's hopes or dreams or aspirations are. Cool. How, how, how would, uh, are there things, well, obviously, this is a rhetorical question almost, for, I guess just for the people uh, watching and listening, but um, there ha- I'm sure uh, there are a lot of things uh, that you'll probably do different than how you were trained, if I had to guess. Oh, yeah. so, <laughs> so many things, man. Like, yeah. like one of the things Nora said was like the paying your dues thing. Like I, I understand why people do that, but if if certain things about paying your dues are detrimental to your career. Like, I just don't see the purpose of it whatsoever. There is no purpose. It's like bullshit. No. It's like, bullshit. Dude, to me, paying your dues is driving 400 miles a day for four days to come home with 800 bucks. That's paying your dues to me. It's not yes. breaking your neck before you even get an opportunity to do that. 
Yeah. Yeah. And the thing that I wish too that I had more training in, so I've never really felt confident on the microphone, um, or especially improving on the microphone. And in Minneapolis, it's a huge improv comedy scene, and I have connections to people in the improv world, and we want to bring them in on special occasions to teach improv skills. So that you're comfortable in front of a uh, camera, comfortable on a microphone, comfortable thinking on your feet when it comes to being interviewed or, you know, portraying a certain character. And so that's that's something that I didn't have that I definitely want to incorporate to make sure everyone's prepared for that situation. Yep. So we have a, a promo or character interview studio that we're going to have so people can work on their pre-tapes and, their, and practice, you know, their gift of gab or whatever. And then, like Nora said, bring in people that are like pros in that world to help them, guide them along the way. You know, me and you have talked about this briefly. Like, I want to bring in on a regular basis guest trainers that have, have different philosophies and a different set of eyeballs, like you, like like Booker T, like you know, buddies, just buddies that we worked with to bring in and, and provide something different that maybe we don't do. Uh, we we want, we have personal training program. We got three certified personal trainers on staff. We got a diet and nutrition specialist who can create meal programs and, and help people with their diets if that's something they care to work on. Um, and then another one is after our, our kids, you know, quote unquote, graduate, we want to help them find work. We're not like ABC wrestling promotion that has a wrestling school. We're a wrestling school. We don't run shows. It's not like by coming to our shows that automatically puts you on our shows. If you graduate from our program, from the academy, we want to see what you're capable of doing, where we think you could have success. And then we're going to help you get it. your foot in the door there. We want to put packages together. Like, you know, like we all used to do is we used to, you know, go to UPS and, and send out video, VHS videotapes, you know. <laughs> we used to mail them out to different promoters, get our name out there. Like, we want to take that service in-house and be like, hey, this guy is great at this. He's not so good at this. I bet you all Japan would love him. And then use our industry contacts. I'll, you know, buzz Muda and Kaz and just be like, hey, I got this guy. Take a look at him. Here's his YouTube link. Here's an 8x10. Here's how long he's been training. Here's how many matches he's had. Would you be interested in using him? You know, like, we just want to, we pretty much dissected it in a way that me and Ken were thinking, like, what were we missing? Why did it take us so fucking long to get there? Because I didn't really get my first big paycheck for about five, six years on the job. And I think about it, at about three years, I was I was ready. At th- I, I've seen other guys come in make money that I was at that level of experience and skill about three years in. But what took me that extra two to three years to get there was just I had no one holding my hand to help me. Well, I mean, if you want to if you want to put it that way, holding your hand. But I think it's just really just get, giving guidance and uh, and letting the younger people in on the mistakes that you made um, totally. in your career and the things that that helped you, and so they can you know do their best not to make the same mistakes and to take advantage of the you know like the things that. Uh, you know, the things that the things that I had to find out the hard way that you had to find out the hard way right right that that was one thing i I, I noticed my understanding of of like sports entertainment like skyrocketed once I got signed to WWE because I was able to have guidance and communication with these agents and, and producers that have been everywhere and done anything like if we had the con- like say me and Fit Finley for example have a hour long conversation at the bar I probably learned more in that one hour conversation than I did the prior two and a half years it's like we want to hopefully get that dialogue or that kind of training and and education to our kids way sooner than than we had the opportunity to get. And I remember kind of my first eye-opener into this, because I was kind of thinking, like, because I did a bunch of shitty, stupid stuff that sucked, and I hated doing it. And then when I, you know, got to the dance, 
I remember thinking that that's the way things should be done until I, I met I met Bobby Lashley the first day he ever stepped foot in a wrestling ring. And then when he got called up to TV, he was he was ready. It was like, it was like a year and a half later. And I remember thinking, like, fuck, I was, I'm going about this all wrong. Like, all this shit I did was wrong. Like, that's the right way to do it. Like, get proper guidance and training from day one. This guy's off into the races by, on his first day on the job. So you did everything, all these things wrong, yet you still, uh, you still managed to make it. Yeah, right. As you did, as Ken did, as Nora did. But like I said, we made it probably, it took us a lot longer. Like my little brother, for example. I was able to guide him. He's not like a second-generation wrestler or anything, but he kind of had the guidance of a second-generation wrestler. I was able to, from day one, tell him what to do, what not to do, and he was able to get places way quicker than I did just by being told, like, hey, dude, you don't need to drive 600 miles for $20 to wrestle in some buttfuck town in front of nobody on an independent show that no one's going to see. Wrestle some ham sandwich, you might blow your knee out, and New York's coming to town next week, and you're booked for a dark match. You don't need to do that, like... And then he listens to me, and then he goes, fuck, you were right. The ring broke in match number three, and now I have a dark match on Raw tonight. That's right, yeah. yeah. I, I did that drive. You did that drive. Ken, Nora, Eric, we all did that drive. We wrestled him. And after you get there, you go, man, that was unnecessary. So something you said that I find interesting is you're, you're opening up a school, but you're not going to run shows, which is really cool because most people that open schools, that's like one of their first things. Like, oh, we're going to do student shows and like whatever student sells the most tickets is in the main event kind of thing. And that's something common with uh, wrestling schools that open. They run their own promotion. So how it's are your – MMA is still a gimmick from us, dude. Like, indie wrestling shows have been doing that for generations. <laughs> MMA guys, they need these amateur guys. Like, oh, I sold 30 tickets tonight. I'm a match for it. And boxing, yeah. and boxing as well. I'm, I'm totally. It work, too. right? Yeah. So how are your students getting – experience in front of like live audiences and crowds or do you wait till they're done with their training to be like okay now you have the seal you're allowed to go wrestle for right so we're, we're doing something new I, I think it's new i i thought you know me and eric cannon kind of came up with it but like we want to have like a graduation system and you know kind of like if you ever go to like wb.com they have like an alumni section that has like the guys that have been through the doors and kind of guys that are shits so they don't put them up there so it's like <laughs> if you're an indie promoter and you want to see who's available you go on that thing and be like oh yeah this guy that guy this guy and then uh we want to have something similar to that where we have a, a page of, of graduates so if somebody you know say for example we don't graduate them they suck they have the option they can go through training again or they can leave our facility but if they go someplace and obviously this will take a while to get out there and for people to learn about it. But I think once they do, every school is going to copy it. If they go to some, you know, ABC wrestling in fucking whatever town and they go, oh, yeah, who trained you? Oh, yeah, Ken and Sean in Minneapolis. They could jump on our website and be like, you're not on the graduates page. So if they're drizzling shits, it doesn't like kind of bring our name down. Wow, that's a really good idea. That is a good I mean, idea. I don't think it's been done before, but I think I think it could work. Well, it's kind of similar to uh, martial arts schools uh, listing their black belts. Right. You know, so nobody can, you know, go around saying, yeah, I'm a black belt under, you know, so-and-so, you know, and they're full of shit. You used to be able to get away with that before the internet. Yeah, before, before technology. And going back to Nora and training, it seems like, Nora, you had a hand in training like really early in your career, because in WCW you were put as Miss Madness and part of like Macho Man's Team Madness to help train Gorgeous George. What was that like working with her and working with Macho Man? Um, well, Macho Man actually recruited me to train Gorgeous George before I was ever signed to anything. So I was locally wrestling in Tampa, and Lanny Poffo was on some of the same shows as me. So Macho Man 
told Lanny, like, hey, I want my girlfriend to learn some wrestling. Do you know of anybody? And Lanny was like, oh, I know this girl, Nora. I've seen her on some shows. You know, she'll probably help her out. So Macho Man called me. I was a telemarketer at the time. That was my career, um, selling magazines. I think you worked at Subway. I worked at Subway, <laughs> and then I got I left Subway to be um, a telemarketer. So anyway, um, Macho Man asked me to take a leave of absence from my telemarketing job to teach Gorgeous George to wrestle in this warehouse in Florida, and I said yes. And then during that time, he saw me training her and how well she was doing and catching on to things and just the way I interacted with her. And he asked me if I wanted to be part of his entourage on television. So that's how I got my big break is that he um, went to the office at WCW and said, hey, I want to bring this girl on TV with me. And so I got in with the Team Madness um, with Medusa, Gorgeous George, Sid Vicious was in there a little bit, but Macho Man. And then... After Macho Man left, so like I was on TV for a year with him, and then he left the company, and they didn't know what to do with me, so they brought me to the power plant. So I trained um, at the power plant with Sarge and um, um, Paul Orndorff, and then eventually they had the Nitro Girls come there, and then I was one of the people who would train the Nitro Girls. So training is just second nature for you then? It just comes naturally? I I think so. I mean, I've been an athlete my whole life, and, like, I was captain of my gymnastics team, and one of my jobs was, like, to encourage and, like, help the underclassmen and all that type of thing, and I really liked working with the Nitro girls. Um, I, I felt bad for them, like I said, that they didn't really want to do that, so I tried to make it as fun and tried to, like, help them see it like dancing or things that they were passionate about, try to tie in those aspects of it so that they could try to have as much fun as possible while they were going through it. And um, we all became friends, and I don't know, I thought it was great. So, so yes, I love, and I also love wrestling Terry Reynolds, Stacey Keebler, Tori Wilson. Like, any time I had to wrestle them on TV, that was like, oh, I was, like, so excited because I can use my creativity, and I want, I want them to have fun. And so, um, so, yeah, I guess I like training. Even though I didn't really see myself as doing it now, this season of my life, I am like excited about it again, so I think it will. I think it's going to be great. It is going to be great. What fucking Gail Kim said in her Hall of Fame thing, and what me and Sean have been talking about, like that's like textbook Nora. It's like has zero to do with business, has zero to do with with having good matches and drawing money. It's like, oh, you're miserable. How can I make you happy? Let's do this. (laughs) You know, here's the thing, though, Sean. Um, There's something to be said for doing things for the right reason, for the love of it, and the money and all that other shit will come. Yes. You know, that was, that was exactly that. I don't know if you heard it, but that was what Gail said in her uh, hall of fame speech was she said, special shout out to Molly Holly, you know, blah, blah, blah. Thanks for carrying me. But at the end of it, she was, and most importantly, thank you for teaching me to be a good person. Cause you said, if I'm a good person, good things will come. And they did. And I was like, that's, that's Nora. Well, when you were talking about the goals of like, if you don't know if the people who sign up for the Academy, if they, Maybe they just want to do indies, or maybe they want to go to Japan, or maybe they want to be in the WWE. For me, I honestly was, like, totally happy doing biker bar shows in Tampa and wrestling at VFWs in front of, like, 50 people. Like, I didn't really see myself as anything more than that. And so when people kept encouraging me and giving me opportunities and 
and kind of pushing me out there. Like Lanny Poffo would like force me to go get your gear, go to the show and say, I'm here to do jobs for your stars. He's like, you get your face out there. And he was just, I'm like, well, I don't know. I feel stupid. And he's like, you can do it. You can do it. And, and so it was like through encouragement of others. I was like, wow, maybe I really can be on TV. Maybe I really, you know, so if there are people who maybe their goals start out small, they're like, Hey, I just love wrestling. I just want to wrestle at the local VFW. Um, but if they've got lots of talent and potential, like I'm not afraid to say to someone like, Hey, don't, it's okay to pursue something bigger and it's okay if you don't make it. Um, it's all about like the process and the adventure of it all. Right. We have a team that we kind of assembled of like, you know, one thing was me and Ken from day one were like this, like, uh, starving artists love the business shit is over like if you work you're on the payroll you get paid so we felt confident that anybody that wanted to potentially work for us like they would accept the gig if we offered them so we're kind of trying to figure out who could we get that would uh we could you know they're gonna say yes because we're gonna pay them regardless but who could we get that could provide something different than me than ken and then nora was one of them for that reason just the encouragement and the positive reinforcement and her ability to communicate with people the way they need to be communicated with not the way that we think is best uh and then like there's my little brother for example who's you know good hand but he's like starving right now he's like super passionate and hungry so like he's someone that can motivate that type of person and then we have eric cannon for example who's like super talented could fit in anywhere but he's the guy like Norris said he was totally content with the independency and he really doesn't want to go to wwe and travel 300 days a year or tour japan for two weeks a month he wants to just do what's comfortable and like for that type of person eric can level with them you know we we want to make sure we have enough people that you could land you could you could resonate with every type of person hopefully and if there's someone that enlist that for some reason none of our trainers can resonate with them we want to figure out what that is and how we can help you because we don't want to say like no you don't fit into anybody because as you know in entertainment it's not a box it's a completely outside the box industry entertainment can succeed in any way shape or form did you work with eric cannon in wsx sean i didn't but i i teamed with them uh in the chikara king of trios oh okay during the same weekend that I had my match as one two three kid with El Generico, I hear he has vicious chops. Who? Like Eric Cannon. Oh, I don't know because he didn't <laughs> chop me. But I tell you what, Eric is another one of those guys that's like really kind of like too nice, almost too nice a guy for wrestling, but not quite like not quite like Molly. No. <laughs> Something I wanted to ask. Um, I've heard you say in interviews before Davari that. Uh, when you were a character, you were working with like Hulk Hogan and Shawn Michaels, and then when they kind of changed you to be more of a wrestler, you were a little lower on the card. And how <laughs> how important is like being a character? And you've been like the same character kind of in all your wrestling runs, but you always change it a little bit. And then Nora, you've been like Super Molly, and you know Molly Holly Crash's cousin. So just like how important is being a character, and is that something you're like really pushing in your school? developing of characters i mean you know it's 100 based on your aspirations and your goals like if that's what somebody wants to be then then if you want to be a manager or something like yeah let's help you become the best manager ever if you want to be a wrestler let's help you be the best wrestler ever for me it's kind of like there's an on-air persona and then there's like what the office actually needs out of you and then when i was a character on the show i was something that the office needed me to get heat and be like the heater for whoever i was working with usually as a manager or as like a gimmick guest referee or something 
and there was like a, a purpose for it. And, and that was, that was always their guy's heater. If someone turned heel, uh, like a main event guy turned heel, it was almost guaranteed that we were going to get paired up. Or if someone was coming in or getting ready for a big run and, and they weren't hot overnight and they needed them hot overnight, it was almost a guarantee we were put together. So that was like the backstage reason. Then when I was a wrestler more, you know, kind of no one knows this, but my job was to, at the time, there weren't like new guys coming in. There was always developmental guys. And it was like, we want to see what this developmental guy is capable of. And that was kind of my gig or, or someone coming back. So like when they were thinking like, hey, we want to pull Cody Rhodes to the main roster. What could we do with them? Like, Sean, go go see what this guy has. So then we're married for like three months and then they see what I could pull out of them. Because they, I don't know if they knew or the agents kind of knew I was pretty selfless. Like at the time, I could have made him look like shit, making myself look like a million bucks. And the agent reports could have said like, fuck, why are we running with Cody? We should get Davari back in the mix. But that wasn't my job. That wasn't what they wanted from me. They wanted to see what he had. Or like uh, Chuck Palumbo got let go, went to Japan, kind of figured out a new way. And, and they brought him, they re-signed him. And before they put him on TV, they're like, all right, let's see what Chuck does different now. And again, same thing. I could have selfishly just been like, you know, got my shit and been like, fuck, why isn't this my opportunity? Why don't you see what I have to offer? But I was just like, that's not my job. And and in by doing that backstage job well, what the office wanted, it kept me on the shows and it kept me paid. Like there was like it wasn't a very if you weren't on the show, like on TV, you weren't on the international tours and you weren't on the house shows. I was the only guy that might be on Sunday Night Heat for five weeks and still do every house show and every international tour. So it kind of worked as far as getting me paid. And, and like, you know, I, I still was figured in, but that was that was kind of my job. So I don't I don't mind. I just always figure out, like, what is it that you need for me? Let me do that well. And, and maybe I can hang around and make money. What t- how old were you when you started there? In New York? Yeah. Nineteen. Wow. <laughs> my dark matches are signed. <laughs> wow. Either one. Come on, man. I mean, either one. When were you signed? It's funny. My, my first dark match, it wasn't a dark match. You just bring in jobbers to do, like, shotgun Saturday night and, and Sunday night heat and shit. And I did that my first one when I was 18. I was still a senior in high school. So I think it was Sunday night heat. I was on Sunday night heat. I wrestled some. I think it was Stevie Richards or the Dudley Boys. I don't remember. And then like on Monday, and, and mind you, this is like 2001, 2002. So wrestling is still kind of popular in pop culture at the time. I showed up to school on Monday. I was the coolest motherfucker in that whole high school. <laughs> like, like, we saw you on Sunday Night Heat last night. That was awesome. And, wow. and then, you know, I, the only reason I don't remember who it was, but I remember it was either Stevie or the Dudleys because the ECW guys were so nice to jobbers. Like they made me look like an equivalent to them. They, they could have eaten me up. But they didn't. They were just like, yeah, do your shit, man. Let's see if, if we can get JR to, to see you and, and take notice of you. And they made me look like a peer, like I was already a guy in their locker room. That's great. That's awesome. You know, something- Dreamer, too. I had a dark match with Dreamer. He made me look like a million dollars. I, I mean, it's kind of like what I was saying I did, all those ECW guys did for me. So it was kind of, I didn't mind it. Good, that man. pay it forward mentality. You, hey, Sean, uh, when, I was, when I first started there, I was 20, okay? And it was just and even though I had like six years experience before I showed up there, uh, it was still like so much to take in. I wasn't even old enough to go in the bar. You know, I'd have to get snuck into, you know, or they'd have to talk to bouncer. <laughs> I knew the routine. It was tall guy, medium guy, yeah. me, medium guy, tall guy. We walk right in the strip club. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I'm, you, you, you could even grow facial hair back then. I couldn't. <laughs> Not even your it's eyebrows. Funny, I think somebody, I think it was you, Sean, asked how me and Nora actually kind of hooked up, like how we became friends. Because she was already, by the time I got to TV, she'd already been around a while. But it was because we were both from Minneapolis. And so we were usually on the same flights. 
and then I wasn't old enough to rent a rental car, and she was nice enough to let me jump in with her. Oh, oh. I had, you know what? I had, I had that. It's my first road trip, and I was like uh, looking for somebody, in, and Kurt Hennig scooped me up. That's how that happened. So, I mean, I, I was at the uh, mercy of whoever would give me a ride. Right. Totally, man. It's weird. Like I said, that's the type of shit that me and you have way more in common than anything we've done in the ring. And then sometimes the office would rent me a car because, you know, they, they could pull it off somehow. So They would do it, yeah, they would do it under the, like, the Titan yeah. brand. Like, it, was all, it was a rental for an employee. It wasn't, like, you know, like under my name. Yeah. Talking about how you guys are all from Minnesota, part of your goal here is really to just put Minnesota back on the map as a wrestling mecca, right? It was, the, for the longest time, it was, like, the place. Like, if you were, like, a Minnesota wrestler that went through Brad Rangan's deal or fucking Vern Gagne's or Eddie Sharkey's, like, that that was, like, a, a good enough. Like, you're like, oh, you're from Minnesota? Oh, you're with Brad or you're with Eddie or trained with the AWA? Like, yeah, you're good. Like, that was it. And over time, like, I was on the tail end of that. Like, right when I got there, there was some old-timers that were like, oh, you're from Eddie Sharkey's camp. That's cool. And, and right around that same time, like, 99, they were like, oh, you're from Eddie Sharkey's camp. Ugh. You know, like, was Jack so Lanza still there? Ch- change that perception. Was Jack Lanza still there? Uh, with New York? Yes. Once in a while, he he wouldn't come on the road too much, but he was on like the Midwest and West Coast loops. It always helped back then because you know Jack was friends with you know Eddie, and he's from Minnesota, so that helped me out a lot. I had Jack in my corner back then. Right, like I said, there's a lot of the old timers. They they do know what Minnesota was capable of, but like I said, over time, it's really been watered down, and and, and we like kind of personally, we want just. For ego, we want this place to be the spot again, hopefully. you know, Or, or just know that, hey, if you came from Minnesota, maybe you might be worth a fuck. Yeah, and, and you know, Minnesota or Minneapolis isn't my original hometown, but I still bill myself from Minneapolis because, well, for, for one thing, my children were born there. And uh, also, the main thing was um, uh, Minneapolis was so good to me. It was amazing. I mean... Coming coming from Florida to Minneapolis, I mean, I I, I don't think I would have really, uh, you know, soared to the heights that I soared in my career. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was just, um, that's where I got noticed, you know. I mean, and Wade Keller from Pro Wrestling Torches based out of there. Uh, so that that was huge for me. And uh, um, I just want to, there's such a, dear place in my heart from Minneapolis. I want it to be back on the map. Really do. Totally, man. Me too. And, and you know what's something? Like, we have, like, a tight network of guys that I don't think it happens really in any other place. I don't know why. Like, like me and you, for example, never ran in the same Minneapolis circuit. And then, like, but when the first time we met, like, it was like, you know, you were like, hey, you're a Minneapolis guy. And we clicked. And then same with Nora. And same, you know, even, like, Brock Lesnar and Kurt Hennig, like, by the time I got to TV and I met them and started hanging out with them, like we never met in this area. But as soon as word was like, oh, you're from Minneapolis, like we were tight for no reason other than that we had that. And I've seen like there's a billion wrestlers from New York and Florida. They're not tight like that. Like we just are. And I want to keep that up. I want someday somewhere someone to come up and be like, you know, some guy is established and some new guy. Be like, Oh, you're a Minneapolis guy. Hey, jump in with me. I got some shit to tell you. <laughs> That's awesome. Speaking of the school and training, and you guys seem to have, like, every trainer seems to have, like, their niche and, like, something they're really good at. 
is there a certain style you guys are leaning more towards as far as training? Like, I know Bill DeMott has been known to do, like, a boot camp style training where it's, like, drills, drills, drills. Is that something you're trying to avoid and focus more on, like, okay, like, Davari handles Mondays and he does, like, all in-ring work and then Nora handles Tuesdays and then, like, Wednesdays, like, promo day kind of thing like that? Do you have, like, a structure set up for that and, like, who you know is best to teach what class or course? No, one thing that that is kind of the standard that is around the country. And we want to almost have like, uh, we want to learn about you first, what works for you, what doesn't work for you, and then figure out what would be best to apply that to you. And that's something that Nora's really good at. I'm not that good at it, but other people are. So I know I, I respond well, like the, the high school coach type, you know, fuck you, do more, push yourself. You can't do it. You're a piece <laughs> of shit. That, that motivates me. Some people that deters them. I can picture so Molly saying that, that to you. I don't want to be training with you. I want Nora to train with you. Sorry. You know, it, it's it's an open, it's a back and forth. We want to see what works best for you that will get you the most results, and then we're going to try our best to uh, cater to that. If everything, it, it, it's the cookie cutter thing, man. Like, I see so many people come out of wrestling schools before they even tell me where they train. I'm like. Where are you from? This place? I bet you train with so-and-so. I could tell because you do this headlock just like that guy does that headlock, just like that guy does that headlock. That all came out of the same place. And then that makes for cookie-cutter wrestlers, which is why the business, I feel, when I was in WWE, was kind of down. Like, all those, like, cookie-cutter OVW guys at the time were, like, it was the same fucking guy every time. Same psychology, same idea of what heat is, same way to deliver a promo, same way to shine up a baby face. And it was like... We'd see, and I was like, how the fuck is someone going to watch two hours of this shit if everybody has the same match? But then now, today, I think they're going out there and finding guys that are just already pretty fucking good, and then sending them down to the performance center and just saying, hey, you do this great, here's how we'd like to do it, let's mesh the two together. And I think you see, like, more, you know, quote-unquote, over guys today. Well, uh, a lot of these guys, um, I think that Paul figured out it's it's going to be almost impossible to bring somebody up in the performance center environment from the ground up from from scratch you know you have to go to like to me you have to go to an outside wrestling school besides there uh come up in the indies a little bit you have to, to me you have to show that you can figure some shit out on your own in the independent world you know and rise up to the top of that and then, like, to me, okay, let's scoop them up, let's cherry-pick all these guys, and then, you know, bring them to NXT. Exactly, because there's, there's little pieces that WWE needs things done a specific way. And you can teach those little things to someone who already got it. But if you don't have it, if you don't, if that shit doesn't click in your head, you might be able to teach them those little things, but everything else, they're going to fucking be deer in headlights, man. Like, like I said, that 2004 to 2008-9-ish when I was there... The whole fucking company rested on John Cena, Triple H, and like like one other guy's shoulders. Like now today, it's it's an ensemble cast. It reminds me of those like Ocean Eleven movies. Like everybody's over. You could you could argue that every anybody is a, the draw. Like when I was there, it was you know John Cena was a draw because if he wasn't on the show, attendance was down. And you guys might be training the future John Cenas of the world and the future. Maybe. X-Pacs and the future Sean Navarri's and Molly Holly's. Is there any part of you now that's going, oh, man, we really have to do this now? Like, there's going to be students at the school, and they're going to be staring at us. There's going to be a class. I know you guys have, have taught a lot before and, and have done clinics and stuff, but is any part of you going, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh? 
You know what? Not not really like to the part that you said. That's like we open our doors November first. That's when our first class starts. From November first to whenever, I'm one thousand percent confident shit'll be fine. But it's from now till then that like. I'm doing like shit I don't know how to do. Like I had to go make an LLC. I had to open a business bank account. I'm, I'm you know, trying to get in the newspaper, making websites, learning how to fucking do social media for the first time. Like I'm going, God damn, this shit's hard. Like once we start wrestling, it'll be a piece of this. this didn't you hard. make your own website before you were even wrestling shows? What was that? Back in the day, didn't you learn like HTML to make your own website before you were actually yeah, wrestling did. on shows? But I was saying like today it's a whole different language, man. Like I, I never – fucking smartphones didn't exist in 1999. I don't know how to make a mobile website. Like it was like learning a whole new language. And But yeah, that, that all the shit that I do know how to do was only for wrestling. Like when I got into wrestling, I was like wrestlers have websites. I have to learn to make a website. I did that and then I was like, oh, wrestlers have to send out uh, promo tapes to like you know WCW and WWE. Like I have to learn how to edit a video. You know like – Everything I do know how to do is, is weird. It's kind of just because of wrestling. I learned how to sew because I needed wrestling gear. <laughs> <laughs> I know a lot of guys that are, uh, are um, seamstresses. closet seamstresses. Yeah. Dude, we, we, it's stuff. kind of funny. Like, we're, So another thing I'm learning is about like advertising and marketing on the Internet. And they're kind of like the first question everybody asks is like, what's your demo? I was going, man, that's a fucking hard nail to hit on the head because like saying what – pro wrestling's demo is, is saying, like, what's Disney's demo? Disney appeals to fuck Everything, everyone. everyone. Yeah, I was like, I don't know who our demo is. Like, well, do you want men or women? I'm like, both. He's like, well, do you want young guys or old guys? Both. Do you want uh, rich people or poor people? Both. Like, we don't have a demo. We have, like, we can appeal to anyone in some facet. And that's what I loved about the very, very first wrestling school I went to that was in the backyard of a trailer park. There was um, a former police officer. There were some, like, biker dudes. There were some young 14-year-old kids. There was um, a six-foot-four, like, cross-dresser. Like, it was just, like, this weird group of people that were coming from all these different places. And what bond them together was their passion for pro wrestling. And that's what I loved about it. I just loved the diversity. And so uh, Davari is taking care of all the, like, tough marketing stuff. But when it comes time for the school to open and us to get down to business, I feel totally ready for, like, the actual training part. You guys are offering an amazing uh, tuition deal too, right? Like, yeah. Well, right now we wanted to just get this first class in and get our doors open. So we 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 said like you know kind of standard training tuition or whatever you want to call it is like between like two and three grand. And we said like fuck, like what if there's so many people that want to do this that can be successful that just don't have it? And it's like we're also like I said we're a rep, we want to help you be wrestlers we don't want to run shows we don't want to chase you every week or every month being like hey you owe us 25 dollars you owe us 100 dollars like we're not debt collectors we just want to give you the best education possible so we had this thing like let's just pay it all up front day one we never have to you know if, if some guy is doing fantastic but fucking he got in a car accident his mother's sick he lost his job and he doesn't have money to train like I don't want to tell that guy, like, hey, sorry, I'm going to squash your dreams right now. You can't do this anymore. I would never do that. Oh, fuck so just, that guy. Let's, let's fuck that. him. Bring the money hey, or get uh, fucked. <laughs> you don't pay, you don't play. No, sorry, Nora. Sorry about all the cursing. <laughs> but no, I mean, Sean's right. Like, we said, just pay up front, and then we're done. And then we started thinking, like, well, what if they don't have 2000 or 3000 It is kind of a lot of money to a lot of people. So he said, fuck yeah. it. Like, Anybody can come up with $1,000 is a car accident. You're a car accident. You don't have insurance. You need $1,000 to fix your car. Everybody can find it somehow. So we said, let's do this. Let's open our doors to any and everybody, potentially, that finances won't be the reason that you can't follow your dream. And we'll see. We'll take it from there. 
They might say $1,000. Who knows? I highly doubt it. Yeah, I highly doubt it. We are spending a lot of money to get this place up and running properly. But, you know, let's just give it a go. See what happens. See who shows up. Well, you guys are so busy getting this school going. Do you have time to pay attention to, like, the current WWE product or TNA, Ring of Honor? Do you keep abreast of what's going on there? Any on the Indies? I haven't for years, but I am more so now than ever because of my younger brother. My younger brother keeps me posted on everything that's going on because he's he's me years ago. Years ago, when I was trying to get there, I knew everything about everywhere, about every guy that I've never even met, about every promoter, every promotion, and he keeps me posted on that stuff. He lets me know what I need to know. He doesn't let me know what I don't need to know. And then when he when he buzzes me on something, I'll jump online and find it on YouTube or whatever. And I'm like, man, I'm I'm so excited about wrestling again. Like, uh, what was the thing I showed you? Oh, that this Cruiserweight Classic tournament. They had uh, this black kid named Cedric Alexander. I would have never watched that match just because I got other shit to do. And then my brother said, hey, watch this. But, you know, fuck the match. Like, see what happens after the finish. And I did, and, you know, spoiler if you haven't seen it, but, like, the guy the guy does a job, crowd loves him, he's fucking doing, eating that shit up, and they got to the point where Hunter just came out and said, dude, you did great, we're hiring you. And, and I was like, wow, what an amazing, beautiful segment. <laughs> if, if he didn't buzz me on that, and I was so happy he did. Like, I became a wrestling fan again, and that. Those are great. I didn't see that. And that, that it was, was, it was fucking amazing. And yeah. even Nora's almost a little more skeptical about wrestling than I am. And I said, Nora, watch this match. It's just so much thing of the finish. And like, she was like, tears were welling up in her eyes. <laughs> well, how, I mean, I want to know how Cedric Alexander uh, reacted when, when Paul came out and told him that in front of everybody. It was, it was great, him. man. It was uh, just, it's on the network. Check it out. It was fucking awesome. And then to see now the cruiserweights are on Raw. He was on Raw the other week. I was like, God, what a fairy tale for this kid. I sat, Speaking of the cruiserweights and, and Raw, last night I saw TJ Perkins. And uh, I remember working out with TJ in 2002 at the Inoki Dojo. And that kid, he reminds me of us, Sean. Uh, or he did. He was the smallest kid at the dojo, and he fought his ass off. And we're talking about... You know, rolling on the mat doing uh, Brazilian jiu-jitsu with some world-class uh, grapplers. And this kid just never gave up. And uh, uh, and then you have Brian Kendrick, who I think is uh, – it's, it's, it's really cool to see Brian. Um, I think, you know, in his first run – it, it was great and everything, but he, he had that such a young baby face look, you know? Totally. Spanky's like a man now. Yeah, he looks like a man. He looks like uh, like a mini, uh, what do you call those Carl Drago guys from fucking Game of Thrones? Right, right. I know what you're talking about. He looked about, like one of those, uh, a mini, mini one of those guys. Matter of fact, I was, um, we were, I was sitting there talking with Arn Anderson and, and Spanky and Brian yesterday, and, and Arn looked at me and goes, one word when I look at him... I think of a warlock, and I'm like, well, it wasn't what I was thinking, but yeah, I get it. It kind of, it's, Brian's kind of got that. Like, I figure he could uh, be the leader of a cult, actually. Bro, he, he's like, we, you're right, man. He's not only in the look. Like, if you see a picture, I don't see him on TV now, but just the way he carries himself is like, it's not the like humble bumpkin anymore. It's like, fuck you. I've been around. I've done this. I know what I can and can't do. Like, I'll do what I think is best. If you don't like it, fire me. That's like. That's his thing now, and then usually he's right. He is. He's right right now. I mean, I, I think that uh, he's going to be, and already has been, I think he's going to be a hell of an asset to the company again. 
He's the only guy they brought back. They didn't bring back. Everybody's a new face except for Spanky. Here's my thing. Um, my, I, had, I had one complaint before about cruiserweights, and, and that was I think they should be on both, uh, both brands. Um, I, I, the other thing that I, I was thinking about was, you know, and, and, the, and the ladies used to be presented like this as a special attraction, almost like the, um, the, mini, the minis. You know, I'm not gonna. Right. I'm not gonna use the other M word, but uh, hell with it, the midgets. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're uh, they're just kind of like a special attraction, right? And there was there wasn't a whole division of them. There was just you know two or three, three or four, and that's how the that's how the ladies used to be back you know years ago. There wasn't a whole like roster of of females or like. There's to me. There's, I don't think there's a deep enough roster of cruiserweights like to to where no, there's not, man. It, it's one of those things that like they try. When I was on SmackDown, that used to be like a SmackDown exclusive gimmick, and like they tried to so many times half-ass like relaunch it, but they would just marry us to each other. And I was going like, dude, like there's six, seven of us. Like they after three weeks, they saw all of us wrestle everybody. So then like all of a sudden like. Hurricane's wrestling Chris Benoit, I'm wrestling, you know, fucking this guy, and Funaki's wrestling that guy, and, like, then, like, it was, like, they when they label it cruiserweight, you can only work with each other, and I said, that's, yeah. you need a bunch of guys in order to do that, so you get fresh matches, or just get rid of that label, but, you yeah. know, like I said, you can't, and especially when they do the clusterfuck matches, like, like, there was one time where the entire cruiserweight division was in one match, and it was, like, an eight-man tag, so that means there's, like, eight guys. And in that match, we all wrestled everybody. We did the huge car crash spot, and I was like, great, what do we do next week? Yeah. It, that reminds what you just said reminds me of uh, some advice that I had, uh, well, for TJ the other night. And I told him, and this applies to all the guys that are small like us. It's great that guys can, small guys can have great matches with each other and do all kinds of shit to each other, but you need to know how to work with bigger guys. You, totally. need, you, you can't have um, a wheelhouse full of moves that you can only do to other small guys. And that's yep. a huge mistake a lot of smaller guys make. You know, like, and I love uh, Roderick Strong, but how the fuck is he going to give those backbreakers to a 300-pound dude? Totally. You'd be, you'd be surprised. It's one of those things just knowing, <laughs> knowing what you can and can't do and applying it will help you down the road. If In WWE, if it's true that you get paid a percentage of what you draw, I may, always made money with bigger guys. Me too. And, I, I, and I'm not trying to, you know, uh, put a damper on, you know, anything going on right now, but that's the case. That's, that's my experience. And All you know what's funny is the guys, I made the guys like yourself, does. like Jericho, like Benoit and Eddie, like when you are able to work with any guy, you are capable of moving up the card. Right. That's why you had like a Rey Mysterio and most recently a Kalisto that have been right. shoved and, uh, and you know, given uh, opportunities to run with a, with a big man's belt, so to speak. Um, Sean, I, I hate to be a party pooper. I have another appointment in like 10 minutes, so I have to get going. If you guys want to keep talking... Don't you wrap me up, sister. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? I was actually just looking for a way to do that. Thank you, Nora. <laughs> I, so, I, thank you so much, Nora. I'm so I, happy that you're doing I this. I hope to see you in person soon. Oh, I, hopefully you will. 
maybe this uh, holiday season. That would be great. I hope so. All right. Have a good day. Take Thanks, care, Nora. Nora. Hey, Sean. Yo. Okay, there's there's something I wanted to ask you. Yeah, and I don't know if I've even ever asked you this um, personally. Um, how do you feel about the fact that you got your break because of, uh, you know, being stereotyped? Right. Yeah, let's talk about that. Oh, just generally speaking, yeah. dude, I, I, I didn't care. Stereotype I was like, the shit out of me door. if I can get a job. <laughs> yeah, totally. No, it, it was a foot in the door because, like, before I got signed, I think it was, like, it might have been, like, at least three separate occasions that after, like, a dark match, they said they were going to sign me, and then they just never called. I, I remember after my, my first dark match, I wrestled Austin Aries, uh, and then we went to, uh, we walked back, and then Freebird grabbed us and goes, hey, let's go talk to JR. And JR, like, was like, hey, we're going to sign you guys. You guys did fantastic. We got, you know, pretty much all the WCW guys filtered out, the ECW guys filtered out. We're looking at indie guys again. They're like, oh, awesome. I'll give you a call this week. Fucking one day goes by, two days go by, 14 days go by, no call. That happened on a few occasions. It's like, I was always like, God, just whatever will get me in there. And you know, like, people think it's really hard to get to the WWE or to TV or whatever. It's not that hard to get in. It's hard to stay. Hard to stay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, anybody can get in the door. It's just hard not to get kicked back out. Totally. And that was something that I felt confident that, like, whatever gets me in there, I can hang around. And and I kind of sort of did. And and my mentality always was I never wanted to be a WWE superstar. I wanted to be a pro wrestler. So, like, when WWE didn't work for me anymore tna did and when tna didn't work for me i went to all japan and when all japan didn't work i went back to ring of honor and like i, I was always able to fit in somewhere because i i always kind of had i'm not really good at anything but i'm kind of good at a lot of things well to kind of elaborate on your early gimmick you your character was pulled from tv in the year 2000 so that was before 9-11 before isis would you try to do that character on tv nowadays I don't think it would work nowadays because now, I, I mean, I don't know, like this Donald Trump thing is actually kind of surprising me how openly racist people are being again. But like now the world's a much more gentle place. And like, I don't think I'll, I'll give you an example. I, I with all this ISIS shit and whatever, I did a show with Raven somewhere and he, he said something. It was, he was just trying to be funny or cute or whatever. But he said something that was like a racist joke or remark towards me about being Arab. And the people turned on him. He was the baby face and they started booing him, you know, and I was like. And that was kind of the first time the light bulb went off. I was like, man, 2000 whatever is like a lot more peaceful place than it used to be. Like you hear shit about people getting mad about someone being like an internet bully. Like that's that's supposedly kind of a big deal now. I was like, kids literally, not online, they used to literally punch me in the face and beat the fuck out of me at school. Like, and no one said nothing. That was just the way the world used to be. I, I do really think like with, with how big WWE's brand is and how big the internet's reaches more so than television broadcasting and network uh network distribution like i could be a baby face in fucking half the countries they tour <laughs> that's probably true probably <laughs> yeah. true bro i, I was thinking the other, true. Not the other day but a while ago like barack obama uh lifted u.s sanctions to do business with iran like it was like the beginning of 2016 like a private american business can go to Iran and and operate for profit. You can do that now. I was like, it's gonna be a matter of time for WWE runs their first show in Iran. Like, I could fucking sell that place on a heartbeat. I'm not on their TV right now, and I get like emails and fucking messages and shit every day from people in Iran. We don't have a TV deal there. They just watch me on YouTube. Wow. Well, so maybe eventually you can take some of your students over there for a show. Yeah, maybe. I, I, the world is getting so small. Like, it, it, it's crazy that you. It's. 
I'm sure Sean gets it too. Like, we haven't been on quote unquote like network television in a few years, or like on a syndicated network. But people from countries we've never even been to buzz us online all the time, saying you're my favorite wrestler. You know, I, I just watched you the other day. I'm like, where did you see me the other day? It's like, oh, you watched me the other day. That was on just content that was filmed years ago. Dara, that was just me catfishing you. You're really not anybody's. <laughs> that was just me catfishing you. You're not really anybody's favorite wrestler. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Obviously, you are my favorite person to hang out with. Oh, it's thanks. Kind of funny that, like, I miss I totally you. get now why you, Kevin, and Scott, and everyone are like buddies because, like, I, every time I hang out with you guys, it's just I click better with you guys. And now I, I met Scott since he's uh, sobered up for the first time not too long ago. And I never understood how he figured into the way you guys were. But then now I saw Clean Scott. I go, oh, my God. He's just like these dudes. Yeah. Yeah. And even when he's not, man, we all love each other. And we take each other for, you know, the positives and the negatives. As cliche as that sounds. You know, and, you know, and they did for me. And, you know, I mean, we do for each other. Shit. Totally. Dude, no one's helped me more than like HBK in, in WWE's eyes. He was the first guy that said, I want to do business with him. And then he did and it went well. And that's the most money I ever made. But then at that point, like I was, I was, you know, I kind of transitioned from a manager to a wrestler. And if he never, I mean, he totally could have said, I don't want to work with him. Or or if it was proposed to him, he could have shot it down if he wanted to. But he didn't. He said, yeah, that'll work for me. And I was like, fucking sweet. What do you think, Christy? Well, I think that uh, we I, I really, really wanted to get this little question in because I am dying to know what Sean thinks about TNA and what's going on there right now with, yes. their, with their crisis. And then, you know, we should probably let him go. Yeah, like um, the TNA thing to me is like, I hope it doesn't get absorbed by WWE, but I feel like 99% sure it will because nobody can do with that company what WWE can. So how do you put a price on it? Like it used to be wrestling used to be the most effective form of television because it was the cheapest television to produce, to create, uh, uh, to generate ratings, to generate eyeballs. It's not that case anymore with reality TV. I remember the first, when I was at TNA, everybody loved uh, at Spike TV, everybody loved TNA. They were totally happy with it. It was the highest rated show on Spike TV once they lost the UFC. Until that Bar Rescue show came out, and that thing was getting more ratings than TNA was, and it was a fraction of the cost to produce. And they're like, holy fuck, this show beats TNA, and TNA costs 800 grand an episode, and this thing costs us 60 grand a season? Like, it was like a no brainer. And that's the thing that's gonna be hard to me is like, who's gonna pump that kind of money into a brand that doesn't tour? That doesn't have other revenue streams like merchandising, licensing, syndication. I, I don't see that happening except for WWE saying, hey, that tape, tape library is worth something to us. That tape library is worth nothing to nobody but WWE. That's true. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Well, Sean, we're going to... a business thing. I have no idea. There's also... There might be other Dixie Carters out there that say, I want to get in the wrestling business. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gee, I hope so, because that sounds entertaining. Mm-hmm. Well, thank for the you. guys, it would be, man. I, hey, there's a lot of guys under the getting weekly checks that feed their kids and their wives and have a roof over their head because of TNA. If, if that gets absorbed just for a tape library, I don't think many of those, I think the guys that they want, they got. That's true. Well, Sean, I, we cannot thank you enough for coming and talking, well, for Skyping in and talking to us today. Before we let you go, make sure you tell everybody where they can get info on the school. Sure, yeah. If you go to www.theacademyprowrestling.com, 
That's our website. That's where you can enlist to be a part of our first class if you want to get that uh, $1,000 special for the first class of training. And that's only until spots fill up. We're not going to have you know, a power plant of 50 kids where you know, no one's getting one-on-one training. We, we are going to cut it off when we feel like, hey, we don't have enough hands on deck where everybody can get a proper uh, education. This isn't like public school. <laughs> it's private school. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, if you go on there, it has links to all our social media. Uh, you, know, you can always buzz us on there. You can buzz Eric Cannon, our assistant coach, Ari Devari, our assistant coach, Molly Holly, Ken Anderson, co-owner. Uh, and, and, yeah, any questions anyone has, buzz us. There's a phone number on there. There's an email on there. And, uh, yeah, we, we'd love to... You know, I talked to Sean the other day. We're going to have guest trainers in all the time, and, and Sean's kind of on top of my list. Like, I know he wants to come back to Minneapolis. I'd love to have him. I know there are a billion promoters that would love to have him in town, too. So it's going to be something cool for existing wrestlers uh, look, wanting to learn more and for guys that want to break into the business. He wants to wait till summer. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm not sure. But, Sean, thank you so much, man. I appreciate no, thanks, you coming Sean. I love you, and thank you for I having me, I love you, Christy. too, man. I love you, too, and I'll see you soon. Take care, bud. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right. All right. Well, we will be right back with a little bit more X-Pac 12360 on AfterBuzz TV. Hey, guys. Maria Menounos here. We want to let you know about my new show on Sirius XM Stars Channel 109. It's called Conversations with Maria, and it's live Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Go to conversationswithmaria.com for more info. Buzz you later. Hey, wrestling fans, if you want to see Sean X-Pac Waltman in your area, be sure to make it out to the following upcoming shows. Saturday, October 8th in Barnesville, Georgia for Wrestle America. Friday, October 15th in Brooklyn, New York for WrestlePro. October 28th through the 30th in Dublin, Ireland for AWR. On Saturday, November 5th in LaSalle, Illinois, Sean will be making an appearance at Dreamwave Wrestling. If you have a promotion and want to book Sean Waltman on your wrestling show, send all serious appearance inquiries to showbiz at AOL.com. Back to you in the studio. Welcome back. We did that interview yesterday, but we didn't chat about it afterward. We wanted to save it for today. We didn't chat about it because, full disclosure, got to let everybody know, um, I pissed my pants during the interview. (laughs) You don't want to say which WWE superstar's house you went to, but you'll tell everybody that you peed your pants. I love it. I I love it. I (laughs) I don't mind telling shit about myself. It's, you know... Telling about right. others that I have to be mindful of. <laughs> but it, it's the first time I've ever pissed myself in this type of situation. In this type of situation. <laughs> not the first time ever. So Probably I, you won't know, be the last. If, if, for those of you... <laughs> probably not. For those of you watching at home, and uh, you can go back and, and watch the interview towards the end. You could see me. If you could see under the desk... What I was doing with my left hand, it probably wouldn't have been able to be shown on TV. So, <laughs> we'll just say I was pinching it off for about the last 15 minutes of that Turned thing. Turned into a balloon animal. Yeah. Oh, my God. But they, they were just saying such interesting stuff. It was hard to shut them down, yeah. wrap them up there at the end. And, you know, I, I'm still kind of a little bit stiff around the collar sometimes when we're doing these. So, um Thinking back on it, uh, thinking back to yesterday, I would have just told him, hey, man, I got to take a piss. Yeah. Would you shut the fuck up? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. I would have told him, hey, man, I got to take a piss, though. And we do a little potty break. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, it was really great to chat with them. And you know, what kind of stood out to me was just Molly Holly is so darn sweet. Oh my gosh. And I'm, and I just did it too. Oh my gosh. I grew up in Minnesota and she's just so Minnesota nice. Minnesota. I hear she's got a little bit of the cute accent. I've, I mean, I just, I felt like I was talking to one of my relatives. I really, really enjoyed chatting with her. She's one of my favorites. Yeah, well, I see why. Yeah. And we appreciate Sean, I, Sean being here too. Yeah. Uh, I felt so bad though because everybody's dropping f bombs and you know <laughs> it just that's that's it deteriorated into that type of a conversation at at points in the, <laughs> uh, in the interview and I'm watching her eyes and you know I can I can see her flinching every time she hears one of those because <laughs> she's such a sweetheart you know and I've never heard a four letter word come out of her mouth ever no ever so. Well, it was great to hear about the school, and we appreciate you guys all checking us out today. What's up? Um, something I didn't get to mention that me and Mark were talking about after the interview. Mark and I, anyways. Mark and I. Dick, <laughs> uh, <Pick>, right? <laughs> Sorry. Sean, Sean's brother in the Cruiserweight Classic, and when you're watching the Cruiserweight Classic, and it was like every other wrestler had like shorts and kick pads and shorts and kick pads, and no one was really establishing their character. When his brother came through the curtain, you knew instantly, this guy's a heel. This guy... Like, the way he walked, the way he carried himself, the music, his outfit, everything you knew, his character was established by the time he got to the ring. And by the time he, he the match was over, he didn't even win. But I was like, I can't wait to see that guy wrestle again. And that was something I wanted to tell Sean that we didn't get to. So I would big props to you and, like, keep your brother on that track because yeah. he's doing amazing. So. Yeah, bodes well for that school. Yeah. I would have had Sean on it but I, if I didn't know he was fantastic because I've been in the ring with him. Yeah. Yep. How is it wrestling like someone who's supposed to be like the next version of you? (laughs) Well, I mean, that's just what Eddie said. But, you know, every not supposed to be the next version of me. He was supposed to be the original version of Sean Devari. But um, it was it was so easy. It was a singles match and I don't have singles matches anymore. And that was right around the time that I quit having them. So ended up stuck in one. And I was like, I don't fucking do singles matches. And he was just like, oh, it'll be okay. And I'm like, all right, whatever. It was fine. It was great. It was great. It's just, um, as far as me and singles matches go, like, if I'm in there with somebody I don't know, man, anything can happen. Yeah. You know, and they don't mean for it to happen, but I just can't. I work every, I wrestle every weekend. You know, I can't afford for some knucklehead to hurt me on accident. Yeah. You know, so anyways, where were we? For sure. I just want to remind everybody, we are going to keep bringing you these juicy interviews every single week. And I want you to please like our Facebook page, facebook.com slash XPOC12360 show. And follow us on Instagram, XPOC12360, because we've got some juicy kind of behind the scenes good stuff there for you. Links, stories, and info on who will be our guest next week. So make sure you check that out. And if you want to hit me up directly, you can always do that at Chrissy Reports on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. We really appreciate you guys joining us today. I know, Sean, you've got some dates coming up. Is that right? Do you want to tell them about it? Oh, I do, but I don't... I don't oh, sorry. We're going to put it in a graphic, gonna... right? Yeah. 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 All right, so we'll throw it up so you guys all know where to come and see Sean. And where yes. can they follow you? On Twitter, at TheRealXPOC. And what's our Facebook page? Do we already tell them that? Yep, yep. Okay. They're going to they're gonna like it at Facebook.com slash XPOC12360. Send us your show. fan questions. 
Send yes. us your fan questions at Twitter using the hashtag Xbox12360 or on our Facebook. We'd love to have you on the show with your question. Get to ask Sean. Bonus points for a video question. Yes. And that can be for Sean or for our special guest, whoever it may be. We'd love to hear from you guys. And we will see you next week for another episode of Xbox 12360. Adios. See ya. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Phil Svitek, Kevin Undergaro, show producer Jimbo Frank, managing editor of AfterBuzz Wrestling, Christy Olson, and managing producer of AfterBuzz Wrestling, Mark Bidonica, and the entire Xbox 12360 staff, we would like to thank you for tuning in. Feel free to like us on Facebook, rate and comment on iTunes and YouTube, follow Xbox on Twitter at TheRealXpoc, and email us at xpoc12360show at gmail.com. This has been a presentation of the AfterBuzz TV Network. Buzz you later!